Sometimes beautiful music can kind of lull us into comfort and even rest. But I hope you're awake this morning as we look at God's Word. Let me invite you to open up the Scriptures with me to the last chapter of the Bible, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 22. No no excuses for not finding this text today. Uh, turn to the end of the Bible and find the last chapter, and there is where we land. But uh, I did have two of my kids tell me last night um, things about waking them up this morning. Uh, one of them said, uh, Daddy, wake me up really early tomorrow. Uh, and then another one said, uh, Daddy, wake me up first before anyone uh, else. And uh, neither of those two really wanted to get up this morning. Uh, but the one who didn't say anything was up at the crack of dawn and ready uh, to conquer the day. Um, sometimes we say things we don't really uh, mean. I want to begin uh, our, our look at Scripture today by asking you the question, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to meet Jesus? No doubt most of us would probably answer that question this morning with the affirmative that we, we look forward to meeting Jesus, to encountering Him, but, but do we? Are we living our lives in such a way that long to be with Jesus, to see His face and to enjoy His presence and provision for all of eternity? You see, if the book of Revelation says anything at all, it calls us to prepare now to meet Jesus And through this final and climactic portion of God's Word, we've seen a lot of stuff. We've been reminded that the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins is also the sovereign King who rules and reigns over everything. We've read that Christ's followers, believers in this life, can and should expect opposition, even persecution for faith in Jesus We've seen and learned that the devil hates God and all God's people, including you and including me. We've read and learned that pressure to compromise faith in Jesus uh, is going to intensify. It's not going away. It will intensify right up until the end of this age, but that soon Christ our Savior is coming to make all things new. According to God's word, all people will stand before him and either be welcomed into the paradise of his kingdom or confined to eternal judgment, living out eternity apart from God. Are you ready to meet Jesus? My honest prayer for you this morning is that if you are not ready to meet Jesus right now, that you would be ready to meet Jesus by the time you leave this place today. See, through our text for this morning, the Spirit of God calls us, urges us to get ready. To prepare and to look forward to his return. So let's hear the Spirit's call to us today through, through his word. We invite you to look at Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 6. You can find this text on page 1005 of the Pew Bible, as is our regular practice here. Let me invite you to join me standing, uh, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. John concludes this book this way, beginning in verse 6. He says, The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. 
Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Verse 12, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go, may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll... If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes away, takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in the scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that your grace is with us. And Lord, your spirit's presence is with us for your spirit dwells in your people. So guide us now. Lord, instruct us that we might rightly understand the truths of your word and be changed by them. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. Well, this is it. Today we come to the end of our study in Revelation. And if, you've, uh, if you're a regular attender or a member here, then you know we've been tracking through this portion of God's Word. We've been tracking through this book for quite some time. And, and we come to the end of Revelation and to the end of the book. Uh, the end of, of John's vision, but also the end of the Bible. It says it's recorded here, this is the end of the story. But what's described here is a story that continues on forever and ever. A story that in one way or another, every single one of us are invited to participate in. You and I have an opportunity before us to determine how we're going to fit into this story. So how are you going to fit into the story? Where's your place in this story? Do you believe This story, you better believe it because God's words are trustworthy and true. God's words are trustworthy and true. John says, verse six, he says, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And so once again, John is told that this message that he's been given is trustworthy and true. Because God is trustworthy. In fact, the same Spirit of God who spoke through the prophets of long ago has now spoken through John. The message he delivers is a message to be uh, received and to be believed. 
The one thing I think we've noticed as we've uh, trekked through this portion of the Bible is that the book of Revelation alludes to many, many Old Testament texts. It alludes to many Old Testament images and symbols and prophecies concerning God's coming salvation and His coming judgment. And John's words here recall the words that uh, the Lord gives uh, through the prophet Daniel some six and a half centuries earlier. Listen to what God says to Daniel, recorded in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. He says, but you, Daniel... Roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. And so the Lord gives Daniel a message as Daniel looks to the future, as he looks to uh, the end of the age. And the Lord says to him, uh, seal this end time message up. But in contrast to that message, Revelation chapter 22, verse 10, the angel tells John, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll. Why? Because the time is near. You see, what what Daniel is told to roll up and seal, uh, John is told to write down and to disseminate. Scatter this message. Broadcast this truth. Announce it near and far. Send it across the sea and around the world because the time is near. And then we read this sort of strange instruction found in verse 11. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. We understand that. And let the holy person continue to be holy. It sounds like a strange way for uh, the one who wants all people to repent and come to a knowledge of him to write. But consider this a swim at your own risk sign. A warning that announces God's judgment will come upon those who continue to oppose him. But the blessed hope of eternity awaits those who trust in him until the very end. You see, there's an urgency about what this book contains. There's an urgency about the invitation. There's an urgency about what is recorded here. For ever since the coming of the Christ child in Bethlehem, we have been living in what the New Testament describes as the last days. And the consistent call of the New Testament is to be ready to meet Jesus because Jesus' return is imminent. It could happen any time. So the Bible calls us to stop living for sin and self and to come to Jesus. You can count on the truths found here to come about because God's words are trustworthy and true. So let's live by them. Live by them. Live by the book. Live according to the certain truths that are recorded in this book. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in our study of uh, Revelation that I've just sort of thought to myself, this stuff is weird. This is strange. This is out there. The pictures and the descriptions that are found in this portion of the Bible uh, are strange. You read some of this and you think you're, uh, you're, you're reading a, 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 a latest uh, sci-fi novel. You think you're in another Star Wars movie or perhaps another season of Stranger Things. But as wild as this stuff is, you can read and discern its message. It is discernible. It is not beyond comprehension or clarity for those who read it and read it with humility. You see, the central truths resound again and again and again and call for our obedience. John doesn't intend to create a jigsaw puzzle but a book that is meant to be read and heard and obeyed by all who call themselves God's people. God's ancient people once prepared to enter into the promised land. They once prepared to go into the land that the Lord was giving them. And the Lord spoke to them, recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And he said to them, now Israel. He said, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. 
Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you. And then he goes on, he says, Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. And likewise, here in Revelation 22, the angel says to John, verse 9, Keep the words of this scroll. Take in the message and obey it. Listen to this word from the Lord and respond accordingly. Obey, keep this message. And then the Spirit leads John to write in verse 18. He says, if anyone adds to these words, God is going to add to that person the plagues described here. A similar message about uh, subtracting anything from this scroll. In other words, live by the words of this book. And not only of this book, but of this whole book. Live according to God's word. Do not minimize these words. Do not alter them. Hear the call to turn and to trust in Jesus. Respond to the invitation to follow the Lamb. Build your life upon this very word of God. For the word of God is alive and active, Hebrews says. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So invite it to penetrate and to judge and to divide you. You see, what John is saying here is don't minimize anything found here. Don't ignore anything found in not only this book, but a fitting conclusion to all of God's word. Don't overlook Or explain away portions of the Bible that confront you in your sin and call for repentance. Stand under the authority of God's word and receive its instruction, its correction, and its message of hope in Jesus Christ. And so church, read it and expect it to be read in the church. Sing it and share it. Study it and expect it to be rightly taught, but beware of elevating any messenger of the word to the exalted position that belongs to God alone. Hear what John says here. Listen to his honesty, his transparency. Verse 8, he says, And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. This recalls chapter 19, verse 10. Once again, John is taken in this message and he's so overwhelmed by this message and what he sees that he falls down to worship the messenger. But the the angel says to him, verse 9, don't do that. What are you doing? I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Friends, only God merits our adoration. Only God alone merits our adoration, our worship. He is in a position all by himself. And in a book that repeatedly elevates Jesus alone to a position of worship, John again records his own susceptibility toward idolatry. Confusing the messenger with the Messiah. In church, in a day of of TV preaching and satellite streaming and fog machines and strobe lights and a, a plethora of podcast messages from our favorite preachers and speakers, we too are susceptible to confusing the messenger with the Messiah. There's no place for Christian celebrities. And I'm not at all suggesting that all of these are wrong or incompatible with Christ honoring worship, but we need to beware lest we fall into temptation to elevate anything or anyone above Jesus, even in our Lord's own church. Our Lord said loud and clear through the prophet Isaiah, turn to me and be saved all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. 
See, Revelation 22 and every chapter of Scripture that precedes it calls upon us to worship God alone. Worship Him alone. Worship Him alone. The one who said here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one God and He alone is God. And He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's what it means to worship Him. To recognize who He is and to respond accordingly. Friends, only God merits our adoration. So let's adore Him. Let's bow before Him. Let's lay our lives at His feet and let's live for His glory. Let's exalt the God who reigns over us and the Christ who gave His life for us and the Spirit who dwells with us and in us now and forever. Let's worship Him until He comes again. Friends, King Jesus will come again and He will come soon. According to the Bible, our Savior and King is coming soon. He is coming soon. Three times in this closing section, Jesus announces, I am coming soon. Verse 7, he says, look, I am coming soon. Verse 12, he says, look, I am coming soon. Verse 20, yes, I am coming soon. What are we to make of this? Some nearly 2,000 years after the fact. And here we are waiting for Jesus. Perhaps the only analogy that I can think of to sort of get at What is being described here is a a child, a young boy or a young girl waiting for Christmas morning, anticipating, cannot wait for December 25th to get here. I can remember even as a child having one of those little calendar, soft calendar, pocket calendar things that hangs on the door as part of our Christmas decorations and moving the Santa Claus closer and closer toward December 25th and seeming like it took forever. But in reality, it was not very long. Friends, the point is that the first coming of Jesus inaugurated these last days, these final days, and we must be ready for His return. Are you ready for His return? Friend, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready to see Jesus? Who is this one who is coming soon for His people? Who is He? He is, verse 13, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. Verse 16, the root and the offspring of David. And the bright morning star. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. He says he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Isaiah prophesied. Of the coming of the Christ child. He said a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots. From Jesse's roots. A a branch will bear fruit. You see the Messiah is a branch. From David's ancestral heritage. Meaning long after King David's descendants lost the throne, this royal descendant was born. This king was born. Jesus is the offspring of David, but Christ, the eternal king, also declares that he is the root of David. Not the offspring, he's he's, he's the root. He's not only a branch, but he's also the root, meaning that even though he came many generations later, and hundreds of years after David's death, he actually existed long before David. And he was the very one whose presence and plan and power gave rise to David in the very first place. Christ is the root and the offspring of David. And he is, according to Revelation 22, the bright morning star. Words that recall God's words through an unbelieving, pagan, demonic spirit uh, giving a true prophecy concerning the Messiah. Remember the story of Balaam, Balaam's donkey. Balaam, this... Uh, this uh, fortune teller that comes at 
the king of, of Moab's request. And Balaam uh, is to give a curse against the Israelites so the Moabites will defeat them in battle. And Balaam says, no, I can't do that. I can't do that because their God is, is stopping me and preventing me. And so the Lord speaks through Balaam, an unbeliever, and says the truth. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Church, this bright morning star came and he conquered sin on the cross of Calvary. And he will come again to crush the enemies of God, silencing all those who oppose him. This Alpha and Omega will come again soon. Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready to meet Christ, our Savior. Are you ready to meet Jesus? The Spirit and the Bride, verse 17, say, come. The Holy Spirit and the Bride, that is the church, the people of God say, come, Lord Jesus, and let the one who hears say, come. You see, those who know and love Jesus want to see Him come again. Those who know this King and Savior want more of Him. They thirst for Him. Do you thirst for Him? Are you thirsting for Him? Are you thirsting for the living God? When he gave his life on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for my sins. Spirit, the church and the believers say, Jesus, come. We are ready for you. Are you ready? And the only way to be ready is to follow the lamb. To follow him. To follow this lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In essence, that is the call of the book of Revelation. Follow the lamb. Follow the one who rules and reigns on high and the one who gave his life in your place. Throughout Revelation, Christ calls for this long obedience to the end. Perseverance, faithfulness, and proclamation. Verse 7, blessed is the one who keeps the words, meaning who obeys the words. Blessed is the one who obeys the words of this prophecy written in this scroll. In verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. That is God's eternal city. These words here echo John's earlier words about a great multitude in heaven. Quoted in chapter 7, verse 14, a great multitude in heaven from every nation, tribe, people, and language who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And echoes this message about the 144,000, chapter 14, verse 3, who had been redeemed from the earth. The point is that those who enjoy eternity with the Lord are the privileged recipients of God's saving grace through the cleansing and washing and redeeming blood of Jesus. And that those who receive such grace, those who hear and respond to that gospel, follow Jesus in faithfulness to the very end. Friends, follow this Lamb of God who takes away our sins, for He offers us true and lasting life. Jesus offers true and lasting life. It's no doubt this book is about sinners turning to Jesus. It's about the true and lasting life that Jesus alone offers to all who turn to Him. Friend, ultimately this book is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so people of faith, people who have received that message, who've turned to Christ for salvation, who've repented and trusted in Jesus, call for him to come again for them. They want that life. They want to experience that eternal life. And until he comes again, they call whosoever will to be a part of it, whosoever will to believe.
And so they say, chapter 22, verse 17, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Friend, are you ready to meet Jesus? If you've taken the free gift of true and lasting life, receive the free gift. Receive the free gift. The gift that is by God's grace, that is unearned, undeserved, unmerited, that is the gift of forgiveness of sins, of reconciliation with the Most High God and eternity with Him. Receive it today. Receive it by crying out to Jesus to save you right where you are right now. Truth is, I don't know your position before God today. Many of you are regular church attenders and servants in the life of the church. Perhaps others are not. Perhaps you're here visiting or or the Lord prompted you to come today regardless of whether or not you attend church or, or, or not. Settle your eternal condition before God today. Trust in Jesus to save you. If you've not been living for Him, if you have not repented and turned away from a life of sin and embraced the gift of salvation in Jesus, then confess your sin before God right now, right where you are, crying out in the quietness of your heart, saying, Lord, I've been living for myself. Forgive me. I'm a sinner in need of your grace. And I believe this message of forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. I acknowledge that Jesus is Savior and He is my Lord. Lead me today. Trust in Jesus for salvation. Cry out to Him today. If He is not the Lord of your life, ask Him to take center stage today. Ask Him to take over, to lead you today. Trust in Him today. Friends, our God says come. He says come. He says come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says through Isaiah, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come to me, and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. In essence, he says, Why spend your lives pursuing things that will not last? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, he says, and eat what is good. What I offer you, the Lord says, is good. It satisfies. It sustains. Spiritual sustenance and food. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Friends, we're invited to eat what is good. We are invited to feast on Jesus. To receive life in Him. To live for Him, to proclaim Him, to represent Him, to long for Him, to enjoy the privileged position and status of being children of the Most High God. Let's feast on Him. Let's trust in Him. Let's come to Him. This morning we we have the opportunity to express our faith in Jesus by participating in the Lord's Supper or Communion. In church, when we participate in communion, we're doing a number of things. When we participate in taking the elements, we're, we're looking back in history. At a real place, in a real time, we're looking back at the sacrifice of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away our sins. We're looking back at His completed work on the cross in our place. And saying that He has accomplished our salvation. He has done this for us. But we're not only looking back, we're also looking up. We're seeing a a, a risen and exalted 
uh, Savior and King on the throne of heaven today. We declare in faith that He was raised back to life by the power of God and He is ruling on high. We look back and we look up, but we also look around. The privilege of being part of a faith family, family of believers. We look around and we see a people who have been united together because of the blood and body of Jesus spilled and broken for us. One body, one faith, one spirit, one baptism, one church. We see brothers and sisters in Christ who've been saved by the very same grace of God that you and I have. Look back, we look up, we look around, but we also look ahead. Scriptures say that when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we do so proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes again. And so we look with expectation and eagerness, with longing, looking to see a a risen and exalted Savior and King come for His people and gather His people into His presence and into His kingdom, into God's holy and eternal city forever and evermore. As our deacons who are serving the elements this morning join me at the table, let me invite you wherever you are this morning to spend some time reflecting on the cross of Jesus, to spend some time Considering this message of the gospel, this gift of salvation, it's represented in the elements that we passed and and partake of today. To take some time thinking about Jesus and his sacrifice and what he has done for you and what he has done for me. If you've not received that sacrifice, hear me say again, receive the gift of salvation today. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Claim him as Lord. Express your desire to follow this lamb to be made right with God. Perhaps you already know him. Take some time. Encourage you to take a few moments and reflect on the cross. To confess sin before the Most High God. To express faith in him in your heart right where you are. To express your belief in a Christ to who died for us, and a Christ who is coming again. Let me bow and lead us in prayer, and then we'll begin to pass the elements. And as we do, if you if you know Jesus, whether you expressed your repentance and faith in Him five minutes ago or 50 years ago, if you know Jesus, if you're confident that He has saved you, then we invite you to take the elements as they come your way, to remember, to reflect, and to celebrate, and to long for Christ's return. Would you bow with me? Father, we do come before you this morning as your people expressing gratitude. Lord, acknowledging that you are a God who has redeemed sinners through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we acknowledge today that none of us are worthy to be declared your children, that none of us are are worthy to be declared your people, that none of us are worthy of eternal paradise in your kingdom. And yet, in your sovereign and sufficient plan, you have chose to extend salvation to us by your grace. Lord, we thank you. And Father, I pray for all those that are gathered in this room today. If there are any who do not know you, who are not living and walking by faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, that your spirit would convict and lead them to do so today. Lord, may we be a people who follow the Lamb. And Lord, as we take the elements, 
We do so with gratitude and we do so with expectation. Lord, move among us and in us during this time. May this be a time of worship that glorifies the name of a risen King and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.